Welcome to Success the Last, a podcast that honestly explores the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we're going to talk to a business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, or industry thought leader about their own experiences, insights, and observations as it pertains to life, business, finances, and ultimately fulfillment. Candidly, it can be lonely at the top. Our desire is to use this podcast to connect you with the ideas and resources so you can be better equipped to make more predictable, profitable, and rewarding decisions as you juggle the competing priorities of life, business, and money. Keep in mind, this is a podcast. It's not meant to be a replacement for your CPA or financial advisor, so be sure to check with the appropriate professionals before implementing any of the ideas. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. If you've listened to the show before, you know there's only four destinations for your wealth. You can spend it, give it to heirs, give it to charity, and along the way, the government's going to get theirs in the form of taxes. Now, though there are only four destinations for wealth, the vast majority of my client conversations revolve around investing. I love talking about investments. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this. However, Investing isn't a destination. Rather, it's like a waiting room. Most people want to treat investments like they are a final destination. Sometimes a new question can provoke a new insight or understanding. A few of my favorite questions that flourishing families with financial capacity will ask themselves include, are you wealthy? How do you define wealth? It's rare to hear one of these families define it merely as money. Their responses typically include love, health, family, and well-being. These families also wrestle with the question of what is the most important factor to living well? What are the key considerations in crafting their legacy? What does passing on the values to the next generation really look like? And ultimately, how do you think about the resources that exceed your personal needs? How much is enough? Most wealth creators will eventually wrestle with one of the ultimate destinations for wealth. How much money should you leave to your children and when? How can you avoid the negative impacts of giving money to a family member? If you're a family with significant wealth, how can you still raise kids that are empowered by money, not entitled by it? It's incredibly difficult. Most wealth creators are terrified by wealth's negative impacts on younger generations. How can you really prepare your heirs? Wealth can dissolve many of society's natural limits and eliminate barriers. Money has the power to buy one's way out of trouble and mitigate both a lapse in judgment and offset a lack of effort. When this characteristic impacts the younger generation, it insulates them from the natural consequences that we all learn from. Growing up wealthy can create a reality distortion where the incredible becomes mere commonplace. Wealth can eliminate the struggle that's so often present when the original wealth creator created the wealth. It's ironic because it's because of that very struggle where they learn the value of hard work, delayed gratification, grit, and resilience. In some ways, wealth can eliminate the financial gravity. Let me digress to make a point. One of the major obstacles to long-term space travel is the threat of severe bone loss in astronauts. In the microgravity environment of space, astronauts lose up to 2% of their bone mineral density every month. On a long space flight, such as those planned to the missions to Mars, bone loss can be a serious obstacle. This bone loss doesn't hurt astronauts while they're in orbit, but upon return to Earth, 
Their weakened bones are fragile, and they're at an increased risk of fracture. Just like muscles, if you don't use your bones, they become weak. Bone loss occurs in the weightless environment of space because bones no longer have to support the body against gravity. So in the same way, wealth can eliminate the financial weight-bearing activities that are so critical to a healthy and empowered relationship with wealth. Our heirs are just like bones and muscle. They're anti-fragile. Unlike glass, which is fragile, it breaks when it's stressed. Our heirs grow stronger if we allow them to struggle. Too much effort to protect our kids prevents them from gaining those experiences and the acquisition of skills such as independence and risk assessment. A wonderful resource on this topic is a book by Jonathan Haidt called The Coddling of the American Mind. I highly recommend it. Ultimately, I'd argue that a wealthy family needs to be even more committed to allowing their children to struggle than a family of mere average means. This is because the wealthy family possesses an incredible ability to eliminate the struggle with money. You actively have to take a different path to choose learning and growth over a much easier path that eliminates the struggle. And if you have kids, you know this is so much harder than it might sound. No one wants to look at their child and see pain, stress, or discomfort. I once read an old story that really highlights this point beautifully. There was once a child playing outside, and they found a butterfly starting to emerge from its cocoon. They watched for a long time, but started to become more and more concerned as the insect really struggled to free itself. Ultimately, the child panic became so concerned that they tore open the cocoon to set it free. The body was swollen with fluid. Though the insect's wings moved, they never really expanded. The struggle to emerge from the cocoon is a crucial process that forces the fluid from the wings and back into the body. By eliminating the struggle, the butterfly was crippled by the great intentions of the young child. But ultimately, that butterfly could never fly. So, what is the right amount of struggle for our kids? What do you call the right mix between helping our kids while simultaneously allowing them to struggle? Dr. Winnicott, a British pediatrician, coined the phrase optimal frustration. This seems to capture the spirit of what we're discussing. The challenge for parents is to find the middle ground between making a child's life too easy versus overburdening them with needless adversities. Though there is no one-size-fits-all for preparing heirs that are empowered by wealth, not entitled by it, there are a lot of repeatable pillars that I've studied and observed in those that have done it well. For starters, personalize the wealth conversation to the specific child. Thanks to the research of Dr. Galen Buckwalter, we now know that there are 10 distinct money personalities. Much like nature versus nurture, each of your children could have their own unique and distinct personality as it pertains to money. While some might be inclined to save every penny, others might be more of a spendthrift. Understanding that each of your children could have a unique money personality will help you better meet them where they're at today. The next concept comes from Brad Klontz. It's a term he coined, financial neighborhood. This is the community you live in, the friends you keep. It's common to mirror lifestyle of those that live in your immediate proximity. During our formulative years growing up, this establishes what later becomes your child's financial comfort zone. Many flourishing families will intentionally live at a lower end of their financial comfort zone to impose some form of financial lifestyle limits. Functionally, they create self-imposed boundaries. This is reflected in the cars they drive, the neighborhoods they choose, the schools they send their children to. Indirectly, 
What this communicates to the children is that living well doesn't require spending the most money you can. Rather, it shifts the focus to enjoying what you have and living well. This actually reminds me of the Ethiopian proverb that says, fish discover water last. In this case, if wealth surrounds your kids on a daily basis, they can be a bit like fish not noticing the water. So be intentional about your children's wealth neighborhood, and that will eventually become their wealth comfort zone. Open and honest communication, early and often, is essential to preparing heirs. However, culturally, talking about money is taboo. And many families struggle with the topic. Roughly 25% of divorces today cite money issues as the primary cause. One of the earlier conversations about money should be the basics. There are four basic components to money. Earn, save, spend, share. This basic framework can be a systematic way to discuss the various aspects of money with kids. Interestingly, with the wealthiest families, Conversations about earning can actually get skipped over. For second, third, or fourth generation family members, wealth has always existed, and it's just been deposited into their checking account from their trusts. Money doesn't have to be earned, so that aspect of wealth can simply get ignored. In part, I believe that's why so many affluent families seek to anchor the family in stories that highlight values and the original source of wealth. If earning money isn't fully understood and embraced, then heirs become mere consumers of the wealth and it'll eventually be eliminated. Next is gratitude. Gratitude might be one of the most powerful antidotes to entitlement and raising prepared heirs. None of us had the opportunity to pick our parents. Thus, being born into a wealthy family is more luck than skill. However, some studies have found that those that inherit wealth posture as though they deserve the wealth or earned it in some fashion. Gratitude is like a muscle. Once exercised, it can continue to help us and overcome entitlement. Gratitude is a skill that can be honed and refined. It can be taught. This isn't the fluffy hippie stuff. This is a concept supported by neuroscience. We all have a reticular activating system. We ultimately see what we're looking for. It can help us cultivate habits of gratitude within our children. They'll grow up with an ability to inventory their blessings on a daily basis. Many wealthy families will utilize their philanthropic efforts to educate their heirs about the importance of giving within their wealth. Referencing the earlier comments about the components of wealth, this educates heirs about how to share. Tactically, donor-advised funds or private foundation are certainly very tax-efficient ways to positively impact communities through giving. But they're also platforms that can unite and educate families about sharing across generations. Fundamentally, this is one of the many different ways an older generation can teach by example. Generosity is the opportunity to introduce a level of intention and purpose to wealth that can otherwise be lost. Volunteering and international travel are also additional topics that can be used successfully. In terms of international travel, let me clarify. I'm not talking about Christmas in Paris. Rather, I'm talking about trips to parts of the world where average looks very different than here in the United States. Many heirs will reference experiences in Central or South America, Eastern Europe, or Africa as life-changing experiences that gave them an intimate understanding of the needs that exist globally. Along the same line, many flourishing families are incredibly intentional with the gifts that they give. Without financial constraints, gifts can be limitless. 
However, these families will prioritize experiences over stuff. Education and entrepreneurship are two of some incredibly common experiences that are prioritized. However, one of those experiences might be the type of international travel just referenced to experience different levels of wealth and culture. How you use your wealth is incredibly personal. We've all heard something like, show me your checkbook and I'll show you your values. One teaching tool that I've seen utilized to help instill these values in the next generation is a family money manifesto. Children were required to memorize the family's money manifesto, which outlined the type of healthy relationship that the family desired their children to have with wealth and the values that they wanted the wealth to support. Memorizing this money manifesto was a requirement before the child received their allowance. In my experience working with heirs, I'd encourage wealth creators looking to leave money to family to start small. You didn't receive all of your wealth in a day. Rather, you saved, deferred, delayed. You grinded your way over the course of decades to the wealth that you experience today. The wealth compounded slowly and eventually became more and more liquid. You likely made some mistakes along the way. You learned some critical money lessons as a result. By starting earlier with smaller amounts of money, it allows your children to make smaller money mistakes and learn those powerful life lessons about money when the stakes are smaller. I've watched eight figures of sudden wealth paralyze a recipient that wasn't prepared to receive it. These recipients actually grew to resent the wealth and describe it as a curse or burden that they'd rather not have. Let's wrap up this episode referencing Ivy League researcher and author Angela Duckworth. Her research focuses on the two traits that predict achievement, grit and self-control. Grit is the tendency to sustain interest in and effort towards a very long-term goal. Self-control is the voluntary regulation of impulses in the presence of momentary gratifying temptations. If Duckworth's empirical data is correct, that grit and self-control are the leading traits that predict long-term achievement, and that wealth has the ability to eliminate obstacles and remove struggles, then is it really surprising that research has found that wealth is generally lost by the third generation? No. Much like the story about the young child and the butterfly, great intentions can end up crippling a butterfly by eliminating the resistance critical to the butterfly's development. And we certainly don't want to do that to our children. Ultimately, the way you prepare heirs will determine if they're empowered by the wealth or entitled by it. There are volumes and volumes of resources and research on this topic. If you wanted to further explore this with a conversation, we'd welcome the opportunity to answer your questions and get you connected to some of these resources. So until we do it again, be well.